Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. It's good to see you all here. Today we're wrapping up this series of messages that we started on Easter Sunday. And this series, we've been calling it Blindsided. And we've been looking at how to overcome the seven greatest challenges that we all experience in life, but we don't expect. And so they sort of hit us suddenly in life. And so we're wrapping it up today by looking at how we can be blindsided by compromise. And here's an old boxing phrase. It's the punch you don't see coming, the one that knocks you out. So this, this is a good way to set up a message on compromise. Because this is, the, this is one of those areas where we can just be knocked off our feet and really, really cause damage from compromise when we choose to compromise. Some of the challenges that blindside us that we've looked at in this series so far is cynicism can come up unexpectedly, disconnection, we find ourselves isolated, disconnected, pride, emptiness, burnout, irrelevance. So today we're going to look at compromise. And I remember, I'm sure that you have some early memories of compromise in your own life, times when you chose willingly to just cross a line that you knew you shouldn't have crossed. Uh, For me, one of the earliest memories I have was I was a kid, and I was pretty free to roam around my town, and my parents said, you can't go past this highway. There was a highway that was really close to where where we lived, and then there was a boulevard. As long as I stayed on this side of the highway and boulevard, then parents were fine that I roamed wherever. And the problem was that the liquor store that had sold all the candy and the icy pops that I really liked was on the other side of the boulevard. And, uh, and so I used to love, like, now or laters, now and laters, now and laters, pop rocks, lemon heads. You remember any of those? Yeah. So I, anyway, I remember one day I, I gathered the neighborhood kids and I said, look, I'm doing it. I'm going across the boulevard to the liquor store. It was called Caselli's. I'm going to Caselli's. And so if you want, you can give me your money, and, and I'll go. And tell me what you want, and I'll bring it back. We'll rendezvous here in my bedroom, and we'll eat all the candy. You know. And so that was the plan. I knew my mom was leaving, and so I had the plan. I told them the plan. I, my mom left and hopped on my bike. I, I just booked it to this market, got all the stuff, brought it back, and I just, you know, I'm pulling out all this candy, and we're eating it in, in my bedroom. And then I heard my mom's Chevy Malibu pull into our driveway. And cars in those days, you could hear them coming, especially the cars my parents drove. And so you could hear them coming. And so she pulls into the driveway, and I knew the sound of her car, and it was like, oh, no. And I got up, and, and in sort of fear and frenzy, really, I just ran, and I ran smack into the corner wall in my bedroom. And just at so outer wall, so it just like, imagine that, you know. And so I bounced off the wall, split my head open. I fell, I'm aching, I'm bleeding, and, and, and my mom's still coming, and I know that I'm, I'm in trouble. What would you do at that point? For me, clean up the candy, <laughs> get rid of the evidence. And so, um, but, and I probably would have got away with the whole thing if the kids all cooperated, but one of them, who was a lot younger, uh, you know, I was probably only like 10 or 11 at this point, 
this little guy, he's probably like seven years old, he, he sees the blood and he freaks out and he starts crying. And he runs out of my house and he passes my mom on the way out. And so she comes running in and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm scooping up candy and I'm putting it in my sock drawer. And I'm, I'm bleeding and, and she comes in, I'm bleeding, she finds the candy, the blood, stitches. I had to go get stitches and uh, have a scar from that, which you wouldn't know because, you know. When you're bald, your scars all blend in, so it's great. <laughs> but, hey, that, that's just one situation of many in my life, and we could just go around the room and share stories of compromise where you, you knew you shouldn't have done that thing. You knew you shouldn't have acted on that impulse, but you just something said, this makes sense. This is what I want to do right now. And here's the reality of life. It's true, but it's really hard to swallow. It's that compromise, it's in us, and circumstances bring out the compromise. Have you ever wondered, why did I say that? Where did that come from? Why did I do that? Why did I react that way? Or why, did I, why did I act on that thought? Are you ever really surprised by what comes out of you? Compromise comes out in, in three main ways. Thoughts, words, and, and actions. And so our thoughts, we start thinking, and our thoughts sort of pull us towards what's wrong, towards the wrong. This is where the battle often starts. It starts in our mind, between our ears. And we start thinking wrong thoughts. And when we think wrong thoughts about people, this is one of the areas where we are tempted to compromise is we start assigning, we, we start having wrong thoughts about others and we assign a motive to other people. And we, we begin to think, oh, I know what they're thinking. I know what, they, what they're doing here. And, and if we assign a motive without checking in, then it snowballs and damage begins to happen in our relationships. And, and we don't want that. But we compromise in our, in our thoughts. Also, we can compromise with our words. We start, you know, just speaking in ways that are compromising. We blurt out negative statements. Sometimes it's attached to the thoughts that we have of, uh, towards people, but, you know, we start saying things that we've been mulling on in our hearts. Statements that are, you know, tied to jealousy or envy or frustration or cynicism. We get, we get frustrated in high-pressure moments, and we, we, we just let people have it, and we can unload on people, and we do damage. Like telling your kids, like yelling at your kids and telling them, don't yell at each other while you're yelling at them, you know. You know, that's, there's a disconnect there. I've done that. We can blow up at coworkers because they dropped the ball on something. And, and, and we could just, and we could think in our mind, like, why did I do that? Why was that such a big deal? Why did I need to speak in that way? Or beyond just the thoughts and the speech, we can just compromise in our actions. Where we, you know, we, we just decide, this is what I really want right now. I know it's out of bounds. I know it's off limits. I know it's not good for me, but that's just what, really what I want to do. And it's, I know it's not what I ought to do, though. And it can show up in all sorts of forms. And Now, do any of these things resonate with you? Here, here's some signs that you might be drifting towards compromise. The first one, there's a growing gap between your public life and your private life. There's a gap. The person you're presenting on the outside, there's a gap forming between the real you and the person on the outside. And if this happens, then eventually the people who admire you the most in life know you the least. And that's a scary thought. That those who really think so highly of you are those that don't know you closely. And that those who know you closely are struggling 
with the person that they're interacting with. There's so, but this, this idea of there's a growing gap between the public and private life. Or, or a second, you just hide things from others. This is a sign that you could be drifting towards compromise. You're, you're hiding, you're covering your tracks, you're, uh, you're not open, you're not accountable. People start asking you questions, you, 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 you stiff-arm them or you get angry at them, and, and hey, that's private. So the temptation to cover our tracks should be, it should sort of sound the alarm that you might be drifting towards compromise. Or you fail to follow through. Maybe, you know, have you been saying a lot of what you'll do but fail to keep keep your word? And sometimes we think, ah, oh, what's the big deal? But a lack of follow through, it, it is a big deal. Actually, this is oftentimes where compromise begins, is a failure to follow through, a failure to keep our word. It's sort of... It's easy to move from that point to an action. Once we sort of compromise internally on, eh, I know I said I'd do this, but I, it's easy to go beyond that. Here's another sign. You start justifying your actions, your decisions. It's easy to justify. We look at what we're facing in life, and, and we have thoughts like, you know, anyone in, in my circumstances would have, would have done that. Anyone under the pressure that I'm under would have done that. People don't understand how much I'm under right now. As a, as a wife, if you're married, you might say, you know, if my husband just took the time to understand me and listen to me, then, then, then I, maybe I'd stay true to him. But he's not, really, he's not really listening to me anymore. He's not really understanding me anymore. And this other person is. And so there's this justifying of, behavior or or flip that around a husband might say you know if my wife just understood how i worked as a man maybe maybe if she would maybe if she'd understand me a little more maybe then i'd i'd stop scanning uh what's so appealing to me out there that's off limits but uh, she doesn't understand me and she's not taking the time for me i mean there's all these things that we can do to justify our actions, our desires. Basically, I deserve it. That's sort of at the heart of it, is I, I, deserve, I deserve this. And if compromise becomes a pattern, then eventually life becomes all about you. And that's another sign. If life is all about you, and if we become so self-centered, we, we don't really have time for anyone else. So maybe this, I mean, these might be signs that describe Things you've experienced before, or maybe right now this is where you're at. You might be feeling ashamed or, or overwhelmed, but there, there's hope. The reality is, with compromise, there is, there is real hope. But we can't escape compromise because of, because of this. No matter how hard you try, you can't escape you. This is at the top of your listening guide here. If you'd like to follow along some passages of Scripture we're going to walk through. No matter how hard you try, you can't escape you. There's something going on inside of us that indicates why compromise is so easy for us to move into. Two-thirds of the New Testament books were written by a man named Paul. And Paul, was a, he had a deep impact on the spread of Christianity. He was a catalyst in starting churches in the first century. He wrote some very, very instructive books and, and letters that give us just God's angle on the human condition. And so this is from Romans chapter 7. Paul's speaking about the frustration that we experience in life. So let's take a look at Romans 7. We'll start at verse 19. Paul writes this, For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, 
the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. He's, he's describing sort of a war going on in his heart. Verse 20 says, Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me that does it. There's this sinful pull, this sinful nature that Paul is describing. He's saying, there's sin in me, and it, it, I keep being pulled towards doing, doing what I'm tempted to do. Verse 21, so I find this law at work. When I want to do good, Paul's saying, I have these things. I want to do good. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. There's this good and there's evil, a tug of war in the heart. Verse 22, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Now, this is Paul. He's like a champion, one of the Christian heroes. And he, he's saying, but I've got this very real struggle. Look at the, the next verse. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? This internal struggle is what we, you and I, we feel this. We feel this pull going on constantly. To, I want to do these things that say, that God says, I want to do God's laws. I want to, I want to please God. But at the same time, I also have this, these evil desires. And it's, I feel this internal war. And this is the challenge. This is why compromise is really impossible for us to avoid sinning is that we bring who we are into every situation and we're divided we're our hearts are divided it's not pretty paul's saying there's a lot about he's saying a lot about our human condition our sinful nature and when we compromise it's not an anomaly it's a constant threat we have to battle against compromise he speaks about this being frustrating he's you can hear paul's frustration i want to do the right things but i can't I'm not, I'm not fully able to pull it off. He speaks about this frustration. He speaks about lies and about how he feels plagued by lies. And he's got this twisted reality he's describing. He speaks about enjoying doing what's right and then doing what's wrong almost immediately after. Have you ever had that experience where you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay the course today. I'm going to do the right thing. And then the same day you, you flip-flop and you, you start going in the wrong direction. Paul's not the only one that, I mean, we, we've all experienced this. And he's just describing this war. And then he draws the conclusion of how this whole inner turmoil feels. He says, I feel wretched. <laughs> what a wretched man I am. To be wretched means I'm miserable. I'm, I'm distressed. I don't like this. I'm, I'm being pulled. And so this description, he asks this question, who will, who will rescue me from all of this? And thankfully, he answers his own question. Look at the very next phrase, verse 25. Who will rescue me? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, I'm a slave to the law of sin. Jesus has won the war. And Paul's saying, I'm in a bad spot. I need help. I need a rescuer. Thank God he sent a rescuer in Jesus. There's a, there's a battle raging Inside of me, in my mind, I want to do what God wants, to serve God's laws and do what he says, but there's sin still very much at act, still active in my inner being. 
and I keep being pulled towards these evil thoughts and desires that I don't want to do, and I'm tempted whenever the pressure is on, and I have this opportunity to get what I want. Now, for the Christ follower, this is really the reality of life on earth until we enter heaven, is there will be a war. If you're a Christ follower, you're a Christian, there will be a war going on inside of you of where you'll feel this, this pull. In fact, you might be here and you might be like, that really describes where I'm at. And we desire something different. And, and you know, if you're in Christ, then that, that is in store. Heaven will be a place where we will always do right and never compromise. And that, that sounds great, doesn't it? Rest. Be at peace. Perfect integrity in that sense. Like, uh, but until then, the battle continues inside of us. Now, here's the way that Paul said it in another letter. He wrote to a different church, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Paul writes to them, I say, live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. He's still describing this war, what's going on inside of us. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. When you, when you commit your life to follow Christ, you receive God's spirit. He places his spirit inside of you, and he seals you with the Holy Spirit of God. He's not going to leave you. If you're in Christ, if you receive Christ, God himself comes to live in you. The person of the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And that's why when you sense, here's what God wants me to do. God, will you help me to do it? And you, and you do it, that's God working in and through you. You have the power to, to change. He brings the power to change through his spirit. At the same time, the sinful nature is still there as well. The sinful nature desires something opposing, opposite to the, to, the, to the spirit. And so the war, I want you to get this image in your mind. Two dogs. It's like two hungry dogs inside of, inside of me, inside of you. You got two dogs inside of you. And imagine these dogs are named flesh and spirit. When you talk, Paul talks about the sinful nature, that's the flesh, okay? And he often, some translations of the Bible just describe it as the flesh. So imagine that these two dogs, one is sort of sickly and weak over on the left, and you see, you can sort of see the ribs. Um, now, if you're a huge dog lover, um, I, I want to prevent you from, from getting distracted with the, the uh, your compassion on, on dogs. And I... I if you, it's okay. So, but I don't want you to get stuck on the illustration and, and miss what we're trying to say or what I'm trying to say here. There's a dog that's not healthy on the left. He's starving. He needs to eat, right? You can see that. And so he's his ribs are showing. He needs to eat. This other dog is, you know, looks probably a little healthier. Probably just had a meal, right? That's what my dog does after she's had a meal. She just sits there and licks her face for a while. It's gross, you know. <laughs> It's distracting. I was sitting there. I was trying to read, and she—I just hear, like, must you do this? But then I'm reminded, okay, this is helpful for me, prepping for this message, <laughs> just to get this in my mind. How much she likes to eat, you know, and she'll she'll eat a lot. If we put more than she should eat, my dog will eat it, you know. And, and now with these dogs, imagine they both have a collar, and the collar 
says their name. So one of them has flesh written on the dog bone, you know, the metal dog bone. This is flesh. And come here, flesh, come here, flesh. You know, we feed, feed flesh some food each day. You should feed your dog each day, right? And so maybe a couple times a day. So you, come here, flesh. And, you know, flesh enjoys dog food. Spirit has the collar. It says spirit on, on you know, the name badge as well. And come here, spirit, come here. Put some, put some food in the bowl. So imagine what Paul's describing here is there's two dogs inside of us. Now you feed them every day something. You have the flesh inside of you. This is the old sinful nature that does not die even when Christ comes in. It's still there. But it, 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 now the Spirit of God moves in and the war is raging inside of us. That's what Paul's describing that we feel. You feed these things. These, you feed flesh or you feed spirit every day. From your thoughts, from your words, from your actions. This is what happens. And you can stuff them or you can starve them, but you can't kill them. That's what's being described in the passage is the, the flesh won't go away until you die. And so you can starve the flesh, but you can't kill the flesh on earth. But you can, you can stuff the flesh even, or you can stuff the spirit and starve the flesh or vice versa. But they'll both be with you as long as you're on earth. If you're a Christ follower, only spirit will go with you into, into eternity. Only the Holy Spirit of God. The flesh will die the moment you take your last breath here on earth. But here's the, here's the issue. The one who dominates you in life is the one you feed. So if you want to be dominated by the spirit, you have to feed the spirit. If you find yourself being dominated by the, by the flesh, it's because there's this feeding of the flesh that, that is causing the, the, that dog, causing the flesh to grow and become more and more dominant inside. Spirit won't, you can starve the spirit. Again, he doesn't leave, but he's, 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 he's lean in the sense of his, the resources we're giving. Now, this is where the analogy breaks down. But just go with the analogy for a moment still. When we're feeding the, the, the flesh, what we're doing is we're using our old ways and our old strategies for getting what we want. The stuff before Christ, we're going back to those things. And we're still satisfying the old desires of the sinful nature. And we're still drawing, in a sense, on our own strength to change. It's like sort of like we give in to the wrong impulses and then we say, I shouldn't have done that. I'm a bad person. I shouldn't have done that. I, I, I'm a bad person. I need to try harder. We start, we start trying to fix the problems in that way and we don't find ourselves getting anywhere. And when we're feeding the Spirit, we're immersing ourselves into God's ways, His wisdom. And we, we, we draw on the resources of God's Spirit. And I want to talk a little bit more about that. But normally if we want to grow our character and we, if we want to stop compromising, we tend to think the way that I'm going to stop compromising is by pure grit, developing my skills, my competencies. I'm just going to be a better person. And we think, oh, I, I need to grow in integrity, so I need to try harder. I need to work harder at stop doing bad things. I just need to stop doing bad things. Um, and it doesn't get us very far. Just trying to put or pull out the bad stuff doesn't – it's not enough. Something else has to happen. We actually have to replace – and feed the Spirit of God that, that brings power as we feed God's Spirit. But as we continue in Romans, we, we, here's what we see. Freedom from compromise is given by the Spirit. 
God's Spirit lives inside of you. Freedom comes and is given through the Spirit. The key is, how do I cooperate with the Spirit of God? What does that really look like to cooperate with the Spirit of God? How do I feed the Spirit? And Paul expressed gratitude as he considered the hope that he now has. Look at the next set of verses here, Romans 8. He, he says, you know, he asked the question, who will set me free from this, from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. And then he goes to verse 1 of the next chapter. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Even when we give in to our sinful nature, even when we give in to the flesh, you're not condemned. Paul, Paul says there is no condemnation. This is Paul writing. The man who is a spiritual hero and himself at points gave into the flesh and crossed lines, but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't condemning him any longer. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. This truth here brings us so much freedom. Whenever we give in to sin, give in to the flesh, and maybe ignore the Spirit of God, what we tend to do, what we want to do, is we want to wallow in shame, and we want to wallow in the shame of our compromise. And instead, what we need to do, and Paul reminds us of this here, is we need to bring to our mind Jesus' work on the cross in the moment we've sinned, and we just need to declare, I'm not condemned. I'm not condemned. The first step in our growth is to admit any compromise, any sin, and accept the forgiveness of God that's made available through Jesus Christ through his work on the cross. Jesus paid for your sin. That allows us to get up off the floor of our guilt and shame and move forward again. Whenever we blow it in life, rather than just staying stuck and saying, I'll never get past this, you know, you need to get back up and you need to admit it to God and you need to move forward. Again, just saying, God, I just apply the payment of Jesus' death for my sin. Thank you that I don't have to wallow in it anymore. He's already paid the price to set me free. That's why he says the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. He's still, Paul is still, there's still the battles raging inside, but he is not condemned anymore. He has someone that has taken his sin upon himself, Jesus. And the reality is if we have received Christ and then we learn how to cooperate with God's spirit, we can be set free from the shame of our sin. So here's some moves as far as some moves to overcome compromise. Number one, admit compromise and refuse to condemn myself. Anytime I sin, anytime you sin, just admit compromise and refuse to condemn myself. I admit it. I sin. I crossed that line. I thought that wrong thought. I, I said those wrong words. I took that wrong action. I have no excuse. That was sin. It was wrong. God, would you forgive me? Thank you for forgiving me. I refuse to condemn myself, meaning... I'm not going to just remain beaten up because what what tends to happen is we just continue the cycle of punishing ourselves and we make no forward progress. Beating ourselves up doesn't help us get back on track. It doesn't help us. It doesn't give God power to work with. What gives God's power to work with is when we just say, God, this is why you rescued me. This is why you sent your son. And once again, I'm reminded of how dependent I am on you. I just all I can say to you is thank you. I'm so grateful for your good for your kindness your your mercy towards me and thank you jesus for for dying for me that's the first step second move is i set my mind on the things of the spirit and i aim to live according to the spirit i lock my mind on his truth not just my my sin 
my struggles, what tempts me. I put my mind on something else. The idea of I'm just going to stop doing this and I'm going to try to pull the bad stuff out of my life, the reason that doesn't work is because when we try to just focus on the stop it mentality, we, that's all that consumes our mind. How many, you know, how many of us have tried to, to shake free from something and we, just, we try to build a preventative life to stop doing bad things, stop compromising, but it's still just in our mind? It's like if I said, you know, don't think about chocolate right now. Don't think about what you're going to eat for lunch right now. Don't think about what you put in the smoker this morning. Don't think, you know, don't think about it. Don't think about it. You're not going to get to be able to enjoy it for, for nine hours. Don't think about it. Or don't think about uh, purple giraffes right now. It's like, I'm trying, I'm trying, my mind came. And so the strategy of just stop it, just stop doing that or stop thinking that is not enough. You actually have to replace the things that you take off with something different. And so what we replace it with is we set our minds on the things of the Spirit. And so Paul writes this, verses 5 through 9. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. You want to live by the Spirit? You want to feed that Spirit, that hungry Spirit? Well, you have to set your mind on what the Spirit desires. This is what he this is This is what God desires. He wants to feed on God's truth. There's some other things, but this is what... As we, as we invest time in taking in God's word, this is, this is what God's spirit responds to. Verse 6, the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit, if the spirit of God lives in you. When we decide to follow Christ... Again, God's Holy Spirit comes. He lives inside of you. Our flesh is there still till the day we die, but his spirit is also. And this, is, this gives us hope. Romans 8 verse 9 gives us hope. The spirit of God lives in you. Isn't that amazing? God himself takes up residence in your life. I mean, that's, that's, that's amazing. There's power there that wasn't there before. If you're in Christ, there's power that's available to you that you could not muster up in your own strength and insight before. The the power to change is available to you if you're in Christ. And there's still God, the choice. He still gives us the freedom to choose to go our own way and, and indulge the flesh or to feed the Spirit of God. And so this third point here shows us the path to real freedom. It's I immerse myself. So I, I set my mind on the things of the Spirit, and then I immerse myself in His resources. So verse 5, Romans 8, verse 5. Those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So I, I lock my mind on it, I set my mind on it, and then I stay tethered to the things of God through the day. It's not just I stop doing bad things. I, I put my mind on what God wants all throughout the day. I aim to just feed the Spirit in all my activities. This is, this is a real struggle, though, for us, but that's where God begins to bring freedom and more and more power to break free from things that would lead us to compromise. We grow by just living in the realm of the Spirit and setting our minds on those things. It's just like how an ocean fish finds freedom only in the water. 
in, in the confines of an ocean, submerged in the ocean, that's where fish live, that's where they thrive, and that's where they're healthy. Well, that's like you living in the realm of the spirit. If you want to find spiritual health, you have to stay connected to the source of health. Out, out of the water, here's, here's what happens to a fish outside of the water. They're not doing good. <laughs> they're struggling. They're dying. They're, they, they're, our spiritual life, in the same way, we have to immerse ourselves in the Spirit's resources to grow. And so we need constant reminders. And we need to help keep our minds set on those things that God speaks through and works through. So the resources of the Spirit, here they are. If you're wondering, there's, there's four major areas that we would call the, the resources of the Spirit. This is how you walk in the Spirit. They're listed at the bottom of the listening guide under the next steps. My next step today is the last one. It says, draw on the resources of the Spirit. The prayer, word, fellowship, and ministry. These are the ways that you stay immersed in drawing from God's power in your life. As you, you, you spend time in these areas. This, when we talk about that, that dog. Now, the, the Spirit of God is not a dog, okay? But what, what God's Spirit responds to are these four areas. These are, these are how we feed the Spirit of God. Prayer, word, ministry, and fellowship. When I pray, and I'm just, when I pray, and it's not like, I mean, you can pray anywhere you want to pray. That's what's great about prayer is God is present with you wherever you go. You can talk to him anytime. But whenever you pray, if I'm in the wrong, and if you're in the wrong, when you pray and say, God, Let's talk about where I'm, how I'm doing today. I just feel like I'm, I'm struggling. Well, if I'm in the wrong, God, his spirit convicts me of sin, and then that should trigger just, God, I admit that to you. That was wrong. Thank you again for forgiving me. And then receive his forgiveness. Prayer is, is the food that, that God's spirit responds to. He wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you when you just sense, God, I know that that's off limits, but I am struggling right now. Would you help me right now? I, I don't have the power to resist that. Would you help me right now? And then God often puts in our minds a way out, an escape hatch that we could say, you know what, thank you, God. I'm going to call a friend right now. I'm going, to, I'm going to get out of this situation. I'm going to move out of this situation. But when we just sit there and stare at that thing and we go, yeah, that sure looks good right now. And when we don't talk to God about that, we're, we're cutting off the resource that God's Spirit feeds on, prayer. And another one is, is the Word, the Word of God. When we get into the Bible, this is, again, He feeds on this is food. When we read it for ourselves, when we hear it taught, when we review a, ve- a memory verse, when, we, when someone shares an insight with us, it cuts to the heart just like a knife. And it, it, God often shows us, Josh, you're moving towards the things of the flesh, and you need to get back into the realm of the Spirit. You need to get back to the ways of, of God. Or, or when you're... When you're Doing life with others, we call that fellowship. When you're engaged in community like this, when you come on Sundays, when you are a part of small groups, breaking down, sharing your life with one another, encouraging each other to move towards the things of God, that's food for the Spirit of God who lives in you. And God's Spirit responds to that and empowers more growth in your life. And think about it. When you're, drawn, when you're in fellowship, when you're in the Word, and when you're in prayer, I mean, those are, that's, it's not just the strategy isn't, I just stop doing bad things. No, it's I invest myself, I immerse myself in all of what God is asking me to immerse myself in. Word, prayer, fellowship. And then the final part there is ministry. And ministry is when I serve, 
people, when I serve the church, or, or when, when I'm sharing my faith, that's ministry. When I'm helping someone else understand God's truths and God's ways, that, we call that evangelism. Whenever I'm doing that, you know what happens is I'm much more focused on grasping God's truths myself when I'm sharing that with others. Because if they have a question that I don't know the answer to, I just say, you know what, that's, let's dig back into the Word together. Let's try to figure out what God has to say about that specifically. And God uses our desire to minister to others to sharpen and grow us and to empower us to continue to move towards what matters to Him. So if, if in any way, as we've looked at this this morning, if you've been drifting towards compromise or maybe wallowing in compromise, decide today to draw on the resources of God's Spirit and let Him change you uh, with, this, with His plan of change. Walk in, walk in the Spirit. I want to invite our worship team back up to the stage and uh, encourage you to consider taking a next step. Here's some steps you can take a look at. Commit my life to follow Christ for the first time. If, you, if you're here and you're not yet a Christ follower, and as I've been describing this, you're saying, you know what, he's describing a power and a relationship with God that I don't think I have yet. Then on the back of that connection card that you received uh, in, the, in the program, there's a box that just lets you know or lets us know if you'd like to learn more info, learn more about how to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we'll follow up with you if you check that box. And that's the starting point for breaking free and making progress in, in this area. Second, admit, admit a wrong and refuse condemnation. If you find yourself wallowing and just beating yourself up, then th- that step is, is maybe it's just admit to God, God, I, I compromised. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. If you're a Christian, you, the Bible says you have an advocate, one that goes to the Father and, and, and says, He's mine. His sin is paid for. It's covered. And that God just forgives you. And sort of like he swoops us back up and dusts us off. You're forgiven. Now now feed on the things of the Spirit. Last, just this, this step of drawing on the resources that God wants us to draw on. That's the food right there that God's power, that unleashes God's power in our life. And so I want to encourage you in these ways. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time and this group. Lord, thank you for your word and how... Paul's description of uh, struggle with sin is so its well known to us. We understand this, Lord. We all wrestle in different ways. Uh, it looks different, and in some ways it looks similar, God. And, and there's probably people in this room that really understand one another and the struggles that, that we're all facing. And so, Father, thank you that Paul's words, we can identify with that. The fact that this comes from a spiritual superhero, somebody that is, he's, he's, God, you used Paul in a mighty way, and yet he's just a man with real struggles. And so, Father, thank you for uh, the hope that this passage gives us. Thanks be to God that we have been we can be set free from the sin that held us captive. Lord, we thank you for that. I pray for each person here that they would uh, move forward uh, and respond to you in whatever way you've spoken to them this morning. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.